Hello and good day, eh? Welcome to the Super Good Camping Podcast. My name is Pamela. I'm Tim. And we are from supergoodcamping.com. We are here because we are on a mission to inspire other families to enjoy camping and other adventures such as we have with our kids. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. On this episode, our guest today is a fellow podcaster. Her name is Amy and her podcast is Geocache Adventures. Welcome, Amy, and thank you for being on the Super Good Camping Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Very cool. Very cool. Cool. This is a this is a first for us. We normally have to do all kinds of explanations because we when we do the guest series, they're all YouTubers, so they have no idea about the podcast world. Like literally, nobody does. So it's <laughs> uh, it's great. This is going to go swimmingly. So right out of the gate, just we've done a little bit of geocaching. Give give me a rundown, like somebody who who's never done it before. What what is geocaching? How does it sort of go? So geocaching is a GPS based real world treasure hunt game or scavenger hunt game, depending on how you want to look at. There are over 3 million geocaches hidden around the world. It is played in over 191 countries on all seven continents. So even in Antarctica, if you're ever down there, there's geocaches. (laughs) (laughs) So what you do is other geocachers hide containers and it can be anything as small as like a pencil eraser to as big as you can envision. I've seen like shipping containers turned into them. Now those giant ones are not as common, granted, but they range in size drastically. So they will contain anything from just a piece of paper, which is the log that you sign when you find it, to items that you can trade. So how most people do it this these days is there's apps that you can download on your smartphone and you create account on geocaching.com and then you pull it up on your phone and it'll show you all the geocaches in your area and you can use the app to navigate and find the geocache. Some people still like to use handheld geocaches. It's kind of more of a preference these days, unless you're in a remote area where there's no cell phone service and then the handheld kind of becomes necessary, but they're everywhere. So if you're more of a urban or city dweller, there's geocaches near you. Cool. We've done the geocaches near us. We've done, uh, we've done a bunch of the geocaches near us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we live in a pretty big city in Toronto. So there's, there's just tons of them here, here in the city. And some of them are pretty, I think we did, I don't, don't hold me to it, maybe six or seven of them. And, and some of them were actually pretty darn difficult to, to find, you know, you'd think in a city, there's nowhere to hide stuff. Yeah. Apparently I'm sadly mistaken. <laughs> there's lots of places to hide things. Uh, uh, okay, cool. That covers a whole bunch of questions. How did you get started and what did, was it an accidental thing? Was it, did something sort of draw you to it combined with something else? What? I actually learned about geocaching from a coworker originally. And I thought it sounded interesting and I created an account, but I didn't do anything at that point. My son was, I think he was like seven or eight months old at that time. No, not even that. I think he was, he was about three months old. I think actually he was still pretty little and I had no idea what I was doing, let alone how do I do it with an infant? So I kind of didn't do anything. And then about five years later, when he was older and I was trying to think of different things we could do, I remember geocaching 
and my account was still active, even though I had never done anything with it. So we pulled it up and I was amazed by how many geocaches were near us. And so we kind of started it as a thing with me and him. He still does it with me some. I do it on my own some too. It's it's a fun activity for family, for kids of all ages, or just to go out by yourself and just have some self-care me time. And I really enjoy it. It's a great way to get outside and do something a little different. Yeah, that sounds cool. And I yeah, I can see how, you know, if you just want to be in your own headspace and, and go go off and, and do something and ignore the kids for a change. <laughs> <laughs> we, we used to drag them around. Ours are, are 20 and 16 now. So they're, they're both taller than both of us. <laughs> and they don't want anything to do with us. So <laughs> minus eight. He's still in that cute. I want to do things with you phase, yeah. but I want to do the things I want to do phase. So he'll do it with me some if there's incentive usually. But a lot of times it's it's me when I get a day to myself, go out and try to find a couple. Cool. And can you describe? I know there are different, you mentioned different sizes of cash, but there's also different types of cash, correct? Yes, there are. So the traditional geocache is the contain the physical container hidden someplace that has the log of varying sizes. There's also what's called a multi-cache, which has a physical container like a traditional cache, but you go to multiple stages. So you'll go to stage one and at stage one, you'll find the coordinates to the second stage and you'll go to the second stage and maybe you find the container there or maybe it's coordinates for another stage. It can be as little as two stages to as many as I have heard 20 stages or more. It depends on the creator of the geocache. There's what's called a virtual type of geocache, which there is no container. The locking requirements are different. Sometimes it's a picture of you or a personal item at the location that you have to add to your online log to claim it, or you may have to answer a question about the site. A lot of times those take you to interesting places, maybe a tourist place, sculptures, neat parks, something different. And those are great ones to do when you have non-geocachers with you, because it usually takes you to someplace where they could enjoy as well. There's what's called a puzzle cache, where the coordinates to the puzzle, you'll have a posted dot on the app, but that posted location is not the location of the geocache. And you have to solve a puzzle to get the coordinates of where the actual location is. And there's more. There's <laughs> there's a lot of different types of geocaches, which is great because there's something for everybody. There's what we call event caches, where it's literally that it's an event. People get together for, it can be anything from just a meet and greet, get together, have drinks, hang out, swap stories to picnics or as big as you, they have large scale reoccurring events called mega events and giga events that will have hundreds or thousands of geocachers come from all over the world to attend those events. Holy mackerel. Yeah. There's what's called the CEDO event, which is cash in, trash out is what CEDO stands for. And that type of event is where geocachers get together at a park or along a roadside and they pick up trash and help the environment by cleaning it up. There are earth geocaches, which take you kind of like a virtual, there's no container and it takes you to a physical location where you have to answer some sort of question, but it's geologically related. 
So there's a learning aspect to it in that way. There's uh, one called an adventure lab, which is kind of like a virtual cache where it will take you different locations and you will answer questions. But the adventure lab will have up to five or 10 locations that it will take you to of different points, all for the same adventure lab, all for the same cache. And that one is different than a multi-cache because every point in the adventure lab that you log counts as a find where the multi-cache only counts as one find. Right, right. One of the things I thought was very cool when I started to play around with geocaching a million years ago with shorter kids, the I thought a great part of it was that there's often a story told with it, whether it's a historical something about that site, some kind of background. Like there's always, it's more than just go find the thing, take the pencil eraser out. Yeah, especially with the adventure labs, they tend to emphasize historical places or locations or tell a story. Where I go geocaches are another type where that one actually uses an additional app that's free and you download a third-party cartridge that people have created and that will take you into like, it can take you to historic sites, like a little tour or it'll tell a story or even some people have created like games, text-based games, like uh, what was the old one, Zork? and put you in a virtual world that you're playing this game to find the coordinates to the geocache. And there's other types that I didn't mention as well, but (laughs) there's there's so many different types. We could spend a lot of time just talking about the different types types and the different subtypes of some of them too, because like with the puzzle caches, you have a type of puzzle cache that's called a challenge cache. And that one will actually be posted at the location listed in the app, but you have to complete a certain geocache challenge to be able to qualify for logging it. So it can be, you have to have a thousand geocaches to be able to log this one. You have to have geocached in five or more states to log this one. There's all types of challenges. So there's even subgroups of some of the geocaching types. So there really is something for everybody in geocaching. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, if you ever wanted to sum it up, there's something for everybody. There really is. One of the ones that I heard on your episode, one of your episodes was a gentleman who put together a cache where it sounded like there was a pinwheel. You had to assemble the pinwheel and then you had to drive in the car and then that would give you the coordinates when the pinwheel spun to where you had like something like that. That is, yeah, that's what we call a gadget cache. And it's not necessarily its own cache type, but it's a type of geocache where people have created some sort of mechanism or something that you have to do or complete to log the geocache. It's typically a traditional type geocache, but it'll have some sort of gadget aspect to it. That sounded so fun. (laughs) People can get really creative with these things and it's amazing the variety that's out there. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I don't know what I was thinking opening that can of worms uh, <laughs> so okay so so obviously local ones i think i caught something about planning trips like there's actually an industry travel type section subsection there of the are planet. actually there really? are actually one that i can think of off the top of my head that's been on my podcast before is called geocaching adventures llc and it's a travel agency that actually sets up destination trips around geocaching cool So there's so many different things tied into geocaching that people don't even realize. Well, yeah. And and, I mean, it's not something that comes up 
you don't hear people talking about it that much. I don't. I, I'm not a geocaching podcast guru. So, <laughs> so I don't. We, I, I mean, it's just not. I can't say occasionally with somebody, but it's not really a it's not a it's not something you hear people talk about all the time. So it's I'm not. surprised. Outside the geocaching world, I really don't hear people talk about it. I've I've had questions come up from some parents that I know that their kids are working on a geocaching badge for Boy Scouts or something like that. And they have questions, but typically it's not something I hear mentioned unless you're in a group of geocachers. Right. Interesting. Oh, and so what is so non-geocachers that are that are just hanging around, what are they called? We like to call those muggles. Yeah. Just just like Harry Potter did. <laughs> Cool. I decided to get that in there. <laughs> oh, it, okay. So, so there's a, a travel industry, a sub sub industry. Are there any other sort of industries that that use geocaching or geocaching uses other industries? There are geocaching books, anywhere from geocaching 101, how to geocache, to children's books about geocaching stories. There are other books that just fictional books that use geocaching as an aspect of the story. Cool. There is a geocaching board game <laughs> called Cash Me If You Can, and they have a card game version of it as well. I have the board game. It's by DPH Games. I love it. It's a lot of fun to me and my husband, who's he's not he's he's my snuggle muggle. We your <laughs> your, your your muggle spouse or muggle significant others. We typically call the snuggle muggles. Uh, he's he'll tolerate some geocaching stuff with me sometimes, but he actually also enjoys playing the game and the neat thing about that game is the way the board gets set up it's different every time you play it oh cool oh nice yeah so you can keep playing so there's different things like that and then there are i don't know if you're familiar with path tags Nope. So path tags are actually anybody can order a path tag. You don't have to be a geocacher to order them. I, I have been told that they're sometimes big with like military groups. And what they are is they're about the size of a quarter and they have a hole in them. So you can add them to a keychain or something and you can design your own custom path tag. So it's like your own little coin with your own design and you can either design it yourself or work with a designer. And then people use these as like um, personal trade items and they like to trade them at events and collect them or leave them in geocaches. And there's actually an ID number for each design that you can go onto the path tag website and log your path tag and people will search for certain path tag designs and you can trade them online and everything. It's people get super serious about path tags. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So, so tell me. I don't know. I was going to say what what was your favorite, but that's always a difficult one to do because that's like, always a difficult. If one, somebody yeah. asked me what's my favorite place to camp, uh, you would spend about twenty minutes while I just list off all of my favorites, which would be you know a bazillion places. Tell me, tell me a cool geocaching adventure you've been on. So one that I went on this summer well, with my husband and son, we were on vacation in Memphis. And we did a geocache called the Crystal Shrines Grotto, and it was a virtual geocache. And this actually took us to a place actually in a cemetery and this place is open to the public and tourism and you go in and there's like a little cave that you go in and somebody has created a like a shrine, a grotto in there. And there's all the stalactites and there's all this 
um, Christian imagery in there. And it was just really neat to see all this stuff carved out in stone. And there is a plaque that talked about the history of the place. And it was just really beautiful. And it, it was really neat. My husband loved it. My son loved it. It was a really cool place to see. And I found out that that place existed because of geocaching. Cool. One of the things we like to say is it's amazing the places geocaching can take you because I have discovered places even in my own town where I grew up and live now that I didn't know were there because there are these little hidden gems and that I stumbled upon because I went after a geocache. Cool. That's that's awesome. Is there only the, yeah, no, I think it's called the geocaching app or something like geocaching.com. The official geocaching.com is uh, ran by a company called Groundspeak. So they have their own official geocaching app by Groundspeak, but there are other apps that you can get as well. And the two, the two probably most well-known and biggest third-party apps are GeoGo, which is for Android phones, and Cashly, which is for iPhones. Okay, cool. I think... I think I have the official geocaching.com one or, or something. Uh, no, maybe not. I know they I all have it. slightly different. Fe- they all do basically the same navigation stuff, but they all have slightly different features. And the third party apps, the GeoGo and the Cashly, they actually are. I'm not sure if the term is licensed, but they work with Groundspeak and they have approval from Groundspeak to ping the Groundspeak servers. So it pulls the same information as the official geocaching app does. Cool. And so when you when you log a find or whatever, it it logs on your geocache um, account or, or, or whatever your profile. Exactly. Yeah. Are, are they paid apps? So... I'm not sure about Cashly. I believe it is. GeoGo is a paid app. I think it's like $3.99 to buy the app. And the reason those are paid apps is because it costs them money to be able to use the server feedback. The license, right. The yep. licensing. So there is a small initial fee for Cashly and GeoGo. If you just want to use the official geocaching app, you can create a free account on geocaching.com and that's a basic membership. Or you can pay for a premium membership, which is 30 US dollars a year. So some geocachers will make their geocaches a premium setting and only premium members can access that. A basic membership can access any basic cache, but there's a little bit of a catch with the app when you're doing that. So on the app, and I'm not sure why, but on the app, it limits how many caches you can access on a basic membership. But if you use your phone browser or your computer browser to go to geocaching.com, you can pull up any of the basic information there. So I'm not sure why the app has some limitations, but there are more geocaches accessible if you use the geocaching.com website. Okay. So the free one for me as a, as a beginner schmuck will work just fine for now. <laughs> yes. We'll see how often I do it. <laughs> um, and that's a good way to start. If you're not sure if you're going to do this a lot, start with the basic and just kind of check it out and get a feel for it before you spend the $30 on it. I, I wholeheartedly endorse that idea. Yeah. All right. Well, so I, I have to bring it back to, do you go camping and do geocaching as well? You can. Uh, we have not been camping for a while just because our schedule has been so crazy. And usually when we've gone camping, we've had family camping trips where I'm severely outnumbered by the muggles. <laughs> 
So I can't necessarily get everybody on board with me to go, but it is a great pairing of activities because a lot of places, a lot of campsites will have geocaches at them or nearby. Now, not all of the national parks in the United States allow geocaching containers. So they will typically allow virtuals or earth caches. Some of them will have traditional caches, but, and and I'm not 100% sure on the reasoning for this, but they don't all allow traditional geocaches. Now, most of the national forest and the private parks do allow it. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what the reasoning behind that is. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've never, I don't think I've ever read anything about our, our provincial parks, which would be the sort of the same as your state parks. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything about geocaching. I know that they are specific about regardless of what reason you're coming into the park, you have to have a day permit, you know, that sort of administrative business. But I don't think they don't allow you to do it. Hmm, I might have to look that up now. Yeah, early on in geocaching, there was some misunderstanding and some concerns about containers if they were buried and containers and animals and different things. So the relationship between geocaching and parks has greatly improved over the last 20 years, but there are still some limitations to it, such as that. Okay. Is there uh, an onus on the person who has, who has stashed the cache in the first place to maintain it and make sure that their cache is still there when people are trying to find it? They're supposed to. Unfortunately, sometimes you have cachers that they hit a cache and then they stop geocaching, but it's still out there and it's just not being maintained. And not to open up a can of worms, but that gets into a whole whole thing about cache maintenance. And some people will do what's called a throwdown container and they can't find the geocache. So they just place a new container and log the find. And that gets into a whole controversial thing. But typically when you hide a geocache, you are supposed to be responsible for maintaining the geocache. You are supposed to obtain permission from the landowner or property management company, whoever is maintaining that to place the geocache there. And then when you submit your hide for, it goes to a group of volunteers that are the reviewers that look over the geocache, make sure it's not placed in say like on a railroad track in a dangerous area or something like that. Right. Um, It can't be within, I think it was 150 or 200 feet of a playground. Different rules like that to ensure safety of the public and uh, that sort of thing. And they go through and typically they will ask you who gave you permission to place this here. And a lot of reviewers will have you put it in the cache description. Each geocache has its own page, just giving you basic background information on the geocache. And then once it's approved and gets published, geocache owner, cache owners, COs, as we call them for short, are typically responsible for maintaining the container and the log. And if there's any trade items, We like to try to refill that to make sure there's people can trade items with it. Because unfortunately, not everybody follows the if you take one, leave one rule. But long answer shortened. Yes, the the hiders are supposed to be responsible for maintaining the geocaches. Well, that makes sense. Somebody's got to do it. And theoretically, they're the best ones to know exactly where it is because they stashed it. So I hadn't actually thought about the the rules that like to make sure that it's not on a railway track or, you know, that sort of jazz. That's a 
that's a good idea. That's why I didn't design any of this because I'm not bright <laughs> enough. Um, the reviewers do a lot of work that a lot of people don't necessarily realize they do. Right. Yeah. Well, and it, especially if you've got volunteers that are, that are going out and, and checking it and, you know, making sure that it checks off all the check boxes. That's, uh, that's cool. It, I mean, it's a lot of work, but good. I think that's a great idea and I'm yay for them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now that we've talked about geocaching and covered some of the basics, I want to challenge you guys to go out and find a geocache and I want to hear about it. All right, cool. We can do that. You know what? We'll tie it in with camping. The big kid and I are jumping in a canoe and uh, going away for like eight days out in the boonies. So I'll see if we can find something along one of the routes and we'll take a shot at, at stumbling around and see if we can find it. That'd be cool. That'd be Perfect. Fun. I can't right wait on. to hear about it. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that's it for us for today. Thank you so much to Amy from Geocache Adventures for joining us. And please do get inspired by Amy into getting into geocaching. It is really fun. And so we'll talk to you again soon. I'm Pamela. I'm still Tim. We are, we are still from supergoodcamping.com. Please do reach out to us. Our email address is hi at supergoodcamping.com. That's hi at supergoodcamping.com. You can follow us on all the social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and we have a Facebook group called The Campfire that is free for anybody to join. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Uh, yeah. And I'll just throw it out there because I'm like that. Slide on over. Go go check out geocache adventures it's it's cool it's it's interesting to see all the people you know talk about uh, sorry listen to all the people talk about geocaching they are they are a passionate bunch and it's a great podcast go check her out go check amy out yeah and gadget cash that's that sounds like neat so much yeah <laughs> all right cool that's it for us this week talk to you soon bye, bye.